Let's go! Annie, we're recording. <laughs> oh, hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with friends and family about their favorite movies. Um, usually from their childhood, today will be a little something different, uh, and I will let Eleanor introduce our guest and movie. Okay, well, I'll let our guest talk about herself and introduce the movie, which I'm, like, pretty jazzed to talk about. Was I listening to this soundtrack today? Yes. Yes, I was. Um, additionally, our guest is Tracy Merwin, who is Annie's co-teacher in Chicago. Um, Tracy, similar to our last guest, was brave enough to go on a trip with both of us together. <laughs> I mean, actually, I would say this trip was more... We... In particular, I went on a trip that I'm not sure I was invited to, <laughs> and Tracy then had to live with me and you. So yeah, that was pretty enjoyable. <laughs> We've been told that, but I still have trouble believing that to be the case. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I had a lot of fun. Okay, so Tracy, tell us about yourself. Um. Well, there's not a lot to tell. I lies have lived in Chicago almost my entire life. I am a teacher of beautiful fifth graders with Anne. <laughs> um, and I, I don't do know. Wanna, I, I, I don't do... love movies as much as you and Anne love movies, but I do enjoy going to the movies. I feel um, like you enjoy movies just as much. You always know what's up. I do enjoy movies, but I, I feel like I don't know what's going on in the movie world as much as the two of you know what's going on in the movie world. Well, Oscar nominations were just released like, today. I know. I looked them up. Which means that See, my I, Oscar I challenge is ready to go. If I wasn't co-teacher. Um, yeah, but my Oscar challenge is up and at so get excited. It's Already? A, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. I had a little bit of extra time today at work, and normally I'm, like, a very diligent employee, but then I was like, mm, this is what I'm going to do with my time. <laughs> so funny. Well, you know what? Okay, Tracy has actually witnessed or been a part of several other podcasts I'm thinking about right now. I'm like, she's been I in the background. Um, so this is I was on the Thor podcast. Yes. So you yes. know how this works. Um, but we always start by talking about our favorite pop culture thing of the week. So does anyone want to share? I have two things. Okay. So one of the things was this past weekend at Women's March 2.0 um, in Los Angeles. I had a couple things that really stuck out to me. One was a sign, and I think I sent it to you, Annie, but it, like, made my life. And I think I enjoyed it so much because it, it in, took a Taylor Swift ly lyric and made it, like, more entertaining so it was I don't know about you but I'm feeling to 22 cents underpaid on the dollar so I really liked that one I also really liked women's march 2.0 too fast too furious so those were my favorite signs from the women's march and then additionally uh the LA march um because of our proximity to Hollywood gets a lot of like celebrities and whatnot but, so it was cool, like, hearing Viola Davis speak, and hers was the one that was highlighted on NPR and New York Times podcast the next morning, but Andre Day performed Rise Up live, and that was, like, stunning, and I was crying. So that would be my pop culture mom of the week, was there's nothing like hearing Andre Day perform live. 
Um, I, I don't have a good pop culture thing. I mean, Anne and I saw Beautiful, the Carol King musical, which was amazing. And it was great. Uh, yes. And I was really like, I, I mean, we're going to talk about a musical movie. So I was really like jonesing to go see a musical. I really wanted to go to New York over break and go see some musicals. So I was very happy to go see Beautiful and like finally like get that craving out. And it was, it was really great. And I learned a lot. Um, and then I learned more afterwards, like Anne said, she looked up more about her life, which was very interesting, which is kind of like what we're going to talk about mm. with this. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. totally. Like, yeah, it's kind of similar in that sense, Tracy, because it only tells like parts of the story. Um, and the parts of the story it tells are very telling, you know, like it's just, it's funny. Um, I think my favorite yeah. pop culture thing of the, is that, um, Princess Eugenie is engaged. So there will be two royal weddings in one year. Her royal wedding will be, like, negligibly important. Right. But, like, I kind of like that she's getting married. They were always kind of weird looking, her and her sister. And I'm just happy that they are getting their lives together. Is her sister married? No, her sister's been dating the same guy for a really long time, though, though, and she's older. I wonder if that's going to be a point of contention. In their sisterhood? Probably. I know. So many problems. I mean, you'll probably hate me if I get married first. Does that matter to you? (laughs) Well, I don't think either one of us are going to get married anytime soon, so, like, we cool. Well, we have the premise of our hit future sitcom, Single Alone Together, so why would you mess that (laughs) up? I think I would be more, more than Annie getting married before me, I'd be mad if she messed up our plans for single spinsterhood um, empowerment. Is this bad that, like, what we want for the other is just to be single so we can spend our lives together? (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate love. (laughs) I want you to be unhappy so you can be happy with me. But it's not unhappiness. I mean, I think that's the difference, right? I mean, Annie, are you going to need to rewatch Tracy Ellis Ross's video? You know what? I've actually never seen it. I've read it. I've read parts of it. Okay. Are you... Maybe you need to bring that into your life again. I do. I also want to watch Hazley's poem. Hazley. I don't know what that you are referring to. Okay, it's a thing from the Women's March. Okay, stop. Okay. Um, So let's get into this movie. Okay. Tracy, what's the movie? Why did you pick it? Annie just told me you had lots of feelings, and she didn't tell me if they were positive or negative, and I have so many positive feelings. So I want. I thought she. I thought she told you that there were a lot of negative feelings. I didn't. I just said feelings. Oh well, I was actually the last to see the movie because I was scared—not scared, but very hesitant to see it because I had found out. I I listened to a podcast, a history podcast, and I just happened to like several months ago listen to the one about. Um, P.T. Barnum and it's like about his entire life and I found all about all about how like horrible of a person he was and then you know forgot all about it until this movie came out and then I was like this doesn't look anything like what I learned about this man Um, 
But as a movie, I'm like, this is right up my alley. Like, this is a musical. This is like Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron. This is is my jam. So I was like, okay, on one hand, I know this guy is like a horrible person. (laughs) And on the other, this is a movie I would totally go see. So I was holding out to the last second to go see it. And, you know, I loved it. Like, as a movie, I really enjoyed it. But there was about two things in the movie that were true about his life and the rest was all false to make him seem like a better person than he was. Yeah. And none of that matters. It is (laughs) my, my thing is, is like, this is very much a musical in the traditional like 1940s, 1950s sense in that it is not meant to be representative or emblematic of the entirety of his experience. It's supposed to be, an insight into one element of it. And I think the element of it that this does is that he is, in fact, like, a showman. And yes, like, there are clearly, like, let's, if we want to talk about problems with the entertainment industry overall, um, that has always been the case. And it has continuously been exploitative to someone or to something. And we see that in his life. We see that in current contemporary, like, Time's Up, the Me Too movement. But what this does so well is bring to light the fact that people are fascinated and so entertained. Like, there is something to be said about pure entertainment. But anyway, uh, I have so many. Wait, so do you have primarily negative feelings? Like, I mean, I do, because I'm also, like, we talked to the kids, the fifth graders about this, and I, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, I never would have thought of, I wouldn't have thought about this movie twice. Like, I wouldn't have given it a second thought about what this movie was putting out there, like, unless I had this prior knowledge. And it just makes me think twice about, like, a lot of, like, biopics or, like, semi-biopics, like, who are these people that they're representing, And, like, who are these kids, like, our kids going to see them? Like, a a lot of our kids, like, went to go see this movie over break. And we're like, this is the greatest movie. It's so fun. And, like, he's, a you know, like, celebrated all these people. And we're like, no, but no, he's not. And they're going away thinking it's a real biography of his life. And so that's one of the things where I'm taking away, like, oh, like, I never would have thought about this if I didn't have this prior knowledge. But I think that is one so, of, one of yeah. the important things about being exposed to a lot as kids is this idea, part of growing up is learning that, mm-hmm. oh, my initial impressions were wrong. Like, when you are a child, you cannot, I honestly believe that you cannot take that all on at once. And I know, like, from my own experience as a student and then from teaching and working with students, there is really something to be said when you do, when you are able to point out, like, oh, I thought this was a simple narrative. I thought this person did not have complexity. And then as you age and realize, oh, like my initial thoughts were wrong. And part of it is kids, like it is, it's upsetting. It's upsetting for anyone at any level to realize that they have misjudged something or they have not understood the context. But I mean, that is part of an educational experience. Um, okay. Oh, to- Totally. And, like, I think, too, it was, like, part of myself because I was, like, thinking, like, even, like, we were talking about with the Carol King musical, like, we were, like, very after, like, walking away, we're, like, oh, it was such a great story and I wanted to learn more about her. And then I was, like, oh, this was a very, like, story that they gave. 
and there was a lot more behind it. And so like, right. Like the fact that she was married three more times after that, like Carol King was married so many times. And like at the end of the show, it's like, she believes in love and loving herself. And she married two men in the same year. Yeah. So I think it was like a learning experience for myself. But another thing I noticed, because I knew all this before I went into the movie, like it was very much not true to his life. But after I saw it, it's also very much like the American dream movie. Like so much like, okay, here's a person that was like down on their luck. And now like if you are like a good businessman and like you have like all these skills like you know, consumerism, which is something else we're like talking about a lot. And I feel like it's like, why are we always making movies and like making media that's like about the, the, the one person that can, that can have it all from nothing. It's, that's the constant story. It's always, 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 always coming back. And I know that it's like something we're stuck on, but like we need to, cause that's not even, it's not even, Truth, well, I mean, it's truthful in a way that he made a lot of money, but he didn't do it in a way that was kind, obviously. And then now a lot of people don't, like, obviously. Right. But, but so, I mean, I, in, in defense of this movie, and Eleanor knows because she was with me when I saw it for the first time, I was kind of like, mm, that plot was silly. <laughs> like, the plot was unnecessary. All you need is the music and the dance numbers, um, and you're good. But what I will say is I enjoyed that this movie was fun i feel like kind of in hollywood today there's like this big emphasis on like the artsy like cinema house piece and we forget that movies at at their core are just meant to be entertaining and i found this movie entertaining um i found the dancing wonderful i thought that except for like the one character who was clearly just there as a dancer and his like deformity was like the mud on his face. I still yeah, don't understand. Was I, still I was watching for him the whole time. And I, for a moment, I thought he had like skin discoloration, but, but no, then- it's just mud. <laughs> it was, it was like 3d. So it looked like he it was, was a just great mud, dancer. So. He was a great dancer. He was a great dancer, but like, can I throw mud on myself and become a dancer? Like, I don't Maybe think those you two can, things need to happen. Maybe you can. Right. <laughs> Right. Okay, so can we talk a little bit about the fact that this movie took so long to make, number one, and that number two, it was like the baby of, what's his name? Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I was about to say Wolverine. I don't love Hugh Jackman. My, like, very good friend, Mad, shout out Mad, loves Hugh Jackman. He's just, like, never really done it for me, so, like, meh. (laughs) Poor Annie. (laughs) No, I think... (laughs) I, yes, he clearly, this was a work of love for him, and I, and he has always spoken so highly of musical theater and entertainment and the power of song and dance to connect people, and you definitely see that, and you also see that through his interpretation of the P.T. Barnum character, and I think what this does is it introduces problematic elements, like it does introduce the fact that like he was exploitative it does not make him out to be a saint but that is not the focus the focus and this is to tracy's earlier point about it as a um kind of archetypal american story the rags to riches narrative in that 
up until I would say this era in the United States, we've kind of been led to believe in unfettered freedom of dreams. And Mm. that was something that his character fully embodied. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why this film is not receiving any type of critical acclaim, just because it's so out of touch and so out of tune with contemporary politics and contemporary social ideas. Um, We do, to a certain extent, live in a very, like, limiting society now where student like high school students college students are much more concerned less with following dreams even than people in our generation just like slightly removed but this idea of financial necessity um plays a much bigger role and I think that that is something it does I don't think it found the young audience it really needed though why they wouldn't watch Zac Efron and Zendaya dance all the time is beyond me. Well, because it's physically impossible. I know, Annie, like, we're just going to have to agree to disagree because that was the the most beautiful sequence of all time. Okay. Really? The trapeze? Yeah. It's perfect. They're perfect. I mean, okay, so, so this is what I'm saying. Like, this is why, like, I actually love this movie because these are the things I love. Like, you can tell, like, Hugh Jackman, again, like, he loves musicals and he really put all his effort into, like, making it a good musical because these are all the elements I like. But again, I, I think, I mean, I didn't really, that was the song I liked the least was the Trapeze song. What is song. wrong with you two? That was stunning. It was perfect and also they're perfect. And I love their their chemistry. I found so appealing, even at the the final scene with the reprise. I thought they were better in the final scene than they were in the trapeze song. Okay, but let's also talk. This is where I run into problems. What do you consider to be the best number in the show? Oh, oh, um, what's I don't know the name of the song, but the one in the bar with. Zach oh my Ever- gosh, it's Agreed. perfect. It that is a perfect number, and it just inf- I love it. <laughs> it infuriates me that Zephron wants to do anything but this. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, read your talent. Like similar to almost how P.T. Barnum's character calls him out for being like, this is clearly what you love to do. I, as an audience member, just want to like grab Zach Efron and shake him and be like, this is clearly what you are born to do. Like you are like emanating happiness off the screen. And like, you are so talented at this. You should do nothing but sing and dance. Well, apparently he took a break from it because he didn't want to be typecast. So he maybe we'll be see typecast. more. Like, honestly, I've seen his other movies. He's a beautiful <laughs> person. and he's not I was just t- watching Neighbors 2. Yeah, it's like not good. I actually do love Neighbors 1 and 2. I mean, I like I will watch anything Zac Efron's in, Charlie St. Cloud included. But this is what he should do. This is who he is. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean... He exudes happiness. I would agree with you there. Mm-hmm. I, like, love him as a human being. I thought Zendaya was great. I thought she was, like, very show-stealing, um, particularly at the end. Again, I just found her energy, like, so great. And I was like, I want to be friends with you and go dance with you. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this movie to be released on, like, Hulu or Netflix just because I want to only watch the scenes where they dance and sing again and again and again. And there was... I would agree with that. There was no musical number that I didn't like because it was even when I saw it a second time in Mexico City, so much of what stuck out to me was 
like when they're when Hugh Jackman, P.G. Barnum is having his moment of personal crisis and he's returned home, his wife has left him, he's lost all his money, everything has fallen apart and burned down, and he and he's in the bar and he is approached by the all the members of their team and they sing that like inspiring song and they all dance and it's like very beautiful and I was moved more than I should be by a musical <laughs> song and dance. <laughs> But that's what musicals do, and that's why, like, ultimately I was like, I like this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Even no, though I, I hate this man. <laughs> I, I, both times I saw it, I left the theater, like, grinning. Like, I had, in the similar vein of, like, Magic Mike XXL, like, I had fun in the movie theater watching these movies. And that, too often now, is rare. Yeah. No, and I mean, I, I Eleanor, would wholeheartedly agree with you there, in the sense that, like, I left the movie theater and I was like a little bit lighter, which I, which is why I think a lot of people go to the movies. Um, and like, I recently just saw a bunch of the movies that are nominated for Academy Awards, and I hardly ever leave happier. Hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Granted, I still haven't seen Get Out, which I need to do. You do, especially because it was so. Present in these nominations. I know that's. I read about it and I was like, "Dang, I gotta see this movie." And any other things to note that I think you would appreciate: the first cinematog- female cinematographer ever nominated for Mudbound. Mudbound, I know, and we watched it, and that movie was so sad. <laughs> it was also incredibly well shot, and like I think beyond her being the first female, like. As much as I hated the act of watching that movie because it's so painful. It's so hard. But she did such an incredible job. And then along with that, some of the fun ones to come out about it, like Kobe Bryant is an Oscar nominee now. That's I know! Funny. I saw that! Okay, wait, but we're supposed to be talking The Greatest Showman and not Oscars. We have to do another Oscar special. We will, for sure. Uh, um, <laughs> listen for that, listeners. Watch for it. Um... What was I going to say, though? Oh, okay. Can we talk for a second about the daughters? Because, Eleanor, I know you have lots of feels. Okay, but I've talked a lot, so you also provide thoughts on the daughters. Okay, well, like, I don't have lots of feels on the daughters, but, like, you pointed it out to me before I went into the movie, and it's, like, very real. They don't age. They do not age. They are the same age the whole time. And there's, like, no way that that's real. Yes. Suspension of disbelief plays a big role. Right. Okay. So, wait. Eleanor, your favorite song is the trapeze song. Um, yeah. Yeah. Trace, yours is the bar scene. Yes, definitely. Okay. Mine is... I actually really liked the one at the beginning where the little boy is singing. Oh, isn't that gorgeous? And like it is. And also in part because of the transition to them on the roof, I think is really stunning. Yes. There's so many. So many thoughts. Agreed. It was really very beautiful. Mm. And it was so well acted in ways I didn't expect. Like, Michelle Williams, I thought, was tremendous. Um, and just, like, very stunning. The I mean, I was a little weirded out by the Rebecca Ferguson in the sense that it was, like, very clear that it was not her singing. Yeah. 
but I, okay, so what are our thoughts on the music separate from the dancing itself? Because the music I know is divisive. It is the lyrical team behind the songs from La La Land. They didn't write the music for La La Land. They wrote the lyrics, but they are the team behind Dear Evan Hansen. And I think we see a lot of similarities in the musical stylings, but thoughts on that, Tracy? I know you have many musical thoughts. Um, I mean, I heard two of the songs way before, like, the movie even came out when I saw one of the trailers and I already, like, loved it. So I love all of it, except for, again, the trapeze song. I don't hate it. I just don't love it as much as I love all of the other songs. Like, I can listen to – if I can listen to a score all the way through, to me that's like, okay, this is a good musical and not get, like, bored with the song. So, and this is, this is one of those where I'm like jamming at my house every song. Naturally, naturally. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I thought that, I actually thought that the music was pretty well done. I think that it suited the actors, like the voice actors. I, I love the song that Rebecca Ferguson's character um, does. But I didn't think the music was as compelling as Dear Evan Hansen. Like, when I first heard that one song, um, Waving Through the Window, is that what it's called? Yes. The Ben Platt song. Right. I, like, I couldn't stop listening to it. Like, there were just so many dimensions to it. And, like, this music is good, but, like, I love Takesha's version more of This Is Me. Have you heard it? Oh, I have heard it. I'm obsessed. Like, I think that is great because it's, like, very compelling. It's very moving. Like, the the way that the sound, you know, like, builds, that was really cool. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Anyway. So, even though this could just be music and just be a musical, that music could be better. But it works, I mean, because it's so, the music itself, and I would say this is what makes Dear Evan Hansen so appealing too, is the music's just so earnest in a way that like music is very rarely anymore. Like all of this stuff is just, it's overly emotive and overly empowering in ways that normally are made fun of. You know what I mean? Like even the fact that the powerhouse song the one, and it was nominated for Best Original Song, was um, This Is Me. And it's the whole concept of, like, accepting yourself um, first and so that others do. Like, the fact that that is so prevalent as a song, I think, is pretty striking. Because it's just, like, I don't know how to describe it other than earnest. Like, it is as if you are, like, a 13-year-old kid. You know, like, in that sense, just, like, really believing that, like, you have been um, marginalized in so many ways and finding, like, a voice in unexpected methods. And that's been so much, I would say, of youth experience in the internet era. But I don't know. Might be going off too far for you guys. No, it's fine. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm gonna- No, I definitely think that's a song. Like, when I heard it, I was definitely like, this is a song that, like, young 
kids, like, especially like our fifth graders feel like they could relate to. Yeah. Because the exact feeling that they all feel is like that they're all, you know, misunderstood and, you know, that that's exactly how they feel. I mean, like you, I, I remember feeling like that though. Right. You know, so that's, that's the perfect like expression of that. That's exactly what I thought of when I heard that too, because I was like, this is really going to like resonate with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also love that this, that, that this movie with like the young actors and, and the compelling music and the great dancing really can draw them into the world of musicals. And um, Eleanor, Tracy and I teach this, our students a little bit about, I mean, really classic Hollywood trivia. Um, and it's kind of fun because it's like, they, it's not a thing, but it can bring so much joy as we've said. So I don't know. I mean, I would tell that. I mean, it's a good movie. Okay, so then... It has no plot. No plot. So do you want to move Annie into the legacy element of our conversation? Yeah, let's. Okay. So begin with your understanding of legacy. Do you want me to define the term legacy? I do. I do. <laughs> um, so basically, we're asking um, whether or not this movie should be shown to children, and if so... Um, like why or why not? And I think that I would show this to our students. I think that, again, as we've been talking about, it's a fun movie. It brings joy, and we all could use a little bit more of that. I also think that um, it does say a lot about working hard in this movie and, like, not turning your back on your friends, which I think are good messages. So I would say, yeah, I would say that, I would want them to see this movie and I would want kids to see it going forward. And, and I think that depending on its success, which from the article you sent me today, Eleanor seems to be somewhat good. Um, I think it's one of those movies that similar to the initial pitch perfect will do very well in video on demand and in like DVD sales. And like, because the people who love it, love it. And the people who are never going to like it would never see it in theaters. Right. It's like a sleepover movie is what it is. Uh, like the movie Sleepover? Another um, movie we loved when we were children? We love sleepovers. Do kids still have sleepovers the same way we had sleepovers? I, I don't so. know. I love sleepovers. I think they're like the best anyway. That's an interesting thought. We'll have to ask our kids. Find it's so that. true. Mm-hmm. Um... But I agree with Anne. I I think that I would definitely show this to kids and think that they should see it. Definitely to, like, get them hooked on musicals. And, you know, they really love the music. And that will inspire them to hopefully seek out more. Um, I think it can also be a great conversation starter for, like, okay, you know, this is the way he's portrayed in this movie, but that's not actually who he is like perspective and how people are portrayed in movies, which I think could also be a good, you know, jumping point for understanding if you don't want to, you know, with maybe older kids when you feel like it's ready for, to pop that like beautiful bubble. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Totes my goats. Eleanor. Um, so I think this movie will 
prove to be important for the points I just mentioned about, like, it will have a shelf life um, of uber fans, um, and those are always really important. And what I would say is that I hope it does create this drive towards making um, making movies for the sake of entertainment and there I believe me I believe I got a whole degree in this I believe in the element of being critical of the media that is presented to us and that we consume but there is something to be said about no under the understanding that no single work will ever present us it a realistic or true portrayal of any individual. And we can see that in prestige pieces. We can see that in humor pieces, even if we're looking at Academy Award nominations just released, like um, The Post. Like, that is that will never be a complex view, realistically, of any of the people presented, even though it is biographical. Um, in the same way that I think we sometimes ask too much of movies and we have to remind ourselves like things have value for presenting a viewpoint and if we can recognize that 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 in of it in and of itself is valuable right mm-hmm. but there I, there we go that's me well that's good okay i feel good about it okay well Lord. okay so we finish up our podcast here with talking about where in the world we would like to go right now if we could go anywhere okay i will go first right now well part of it because it's two-pronged with work right now we're hosting several people from rwanda and it's been fun talking about east africa and one of them has a lot of connections in uganda where i lived for a while so that's been really fun and so i'm like oh i need to go back um to east africa and then one of them, after his time in Los Angeles, is going to Hawaii. And I'm like, I want to go to Hawaii. So, East Africa or Hawaii. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> They're pretty different, I would think. But, cool. Yeah. Um, I think so many places. But um, earlier this week when... We were, Anne and I were eating out. There was some TV behind us yeah. that was showing places. <laughs> and she kept shouting out that she'd been there. And one of the places was South Africa. And I've always wanted to go there. And she was talking about a lot of the different places she went. And it just looks so beautiful. So I think that's a place I'd like to go. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, like, Cape Town is, like, kind of dying. But it'll, it's fine. It'll run out of water. Super soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. If I could go anywhere, I'm getting pretty excited about our collective trip to Eastern Europe. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Awesome. It'll be fun, especially as we plan more. Yeah, I'm like stoked. So same thing. It will. Oh, be. it's so good. Okay. Well. As is always when we finish our podcast, I'm exhausted and ready to go to bed. <laughs> Nighttime. Okay, Tracy, thank you so much for doing this with us. No so problem. And for undertaking another trip where I'm forcing myself along. I don't think that's true. There's a lot of people going. 
So it's just kind of like everybody's invited. Well, and I'm forcing you guys to accept my really good friend, Laura, who's the best and everyone will love. I'm sure we will. She already is like, I was like, it'll be fun. You'll get to meet Annie in person. She's like, "Mm, I already feel like I know Annie. It's been like six years. And I was like, it's true. It's also great. So it'll be fun. It's true. It will be fun. So we'll podcast from there too. It's true. It's true. Well, okay. Goodbye, dear friends. Have a lovely night. You too.